The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you a CEO or ready to become one? Have we got an hour for you. Welcome to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. We're ready to set you up for success. Your reputation with shareholders and clients is important. But standing apart from your competitors is also essential to your success. We'll help you do both. Now, here is your host, Pam Lassiter. Welcome to the CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. I'm your host, Pam Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're with us today. And the go-to place for honing the right skills to become a CEO and to stay there as a strategic competitive leader. You can email mail me at info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Connect with me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lassiter Consulting. Follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Pam Lassiter. Our guest today, who has done nearly everything that a CEO and a board member could possibly want to do and still going strong, is Todd Krasnow, Operating Partner of Highland Consumer Fund Venture Capital Fund. Thank you for being with us today, Todd. Thanks for having me. Well, we're lucky to to get such talent on board, too. Uh, Not only is Todd experienced in the CEO role and board roles, but is a marketing maven as well. So maybe we'll get some ideas around that as we're going, too. You can find Todd at highlandconsumer.com. Todd, was it shortly after your MBA that you began at a startup and with no revenues and no name recognition called Staples? That's correct. <laughs> you were, what, number five or six in? Very early on when we were just getting started. We had no money and no stores and only a, a handful of employees. Did you even have a company name at that point? Uh, it was called Staples. It was from, from the, the get-go. From the business plan. It's a great, simple name. Everybody gets it, too. And Todd went from being on the founding management team at Staples, moving from being the marketing guy in this small group to executive VP of the full-blown intergalactic company sales and marketing efforts 12 years later with revenues of $7 billion at that Correct. point. Yes. Does that sound about right? That is giant. We're right in the middle of rich material for today's topic, so I'd like to pause at this point in your career, Todd, and kind of dig down a little bit. Let me introduce the topic first, what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about transitions, the three major career changes for CEOs, which are becoming the CEO, leaving as CEO, and retiring, which sometimes overlaps with leaving the CEO role, but sometimes doesn't. My hope is that by the end of the show, you'll have some thoughts about how to make all of your work transitions graceful ones with good relationships behind you and a good reputation in front of you. And that's something you have done well. No minor feat, seriously. Todd, we're right on top of your making a decision to leave Staples and the chronology of your career 12 years into... uh, 
total startup that was wildly successful at $7 billion. And am I, am I correct in understanding you decided to leave at that point? I did. It was a, a big company at that point. And when it started, it was a, a little uh, nothing that nobody had heard of. <laughs> yeah. And what starts to happen in a big company is even though as a member of the senior team, I helped put together all the different uh, things that a business like that needs to do to be successful, yeah. I started to find those things uh, uh, some, not within my interests. Oh, so, for example, when we would do capital budgeting, mm-hmm. when it's a little company, five of us sat around the table and said, "Let's, we need to do this, we need to do that, and we did it. And everybody agreed. And everybody agreed. And when it was a big company, I can remember a thousand-page book of capital uh-huh. appropriations that took two weeks to wade through and decide which projects were going to get approved and which ones weren't. And as, a, as an executive, your job was to figure out where people were uh, cheating on their numbers and uh, <laughs> trying to make things look better than they would actually be. And there were turf wars everywhere, and weren't all there? all that kind of stuff. And that aspect of the business just wasn't as interesting to me as uh, feeling like I was uh, uh, being more directly involved in helping to move the business forward. You know what is amazing? It'd be easy to have been swept up in the momentum of having a company be wildly famous uh, and successful, too. And you're successful financial personally, everybody around you is growing. And to sit back, and you were listening to your values and what satisfied you at that point. That's correct. We had uh, uh, succession planning. Oh. And uh, my role was eventually going to be to be president of the company. And there was another fellow who became CEO. And uh, he and I were going to team together as he became the CEO of the business. And we would have made a very, very good team. Interesting. Um, but we, uh, it would have meant signing up for another five or ten years. And I thought long and hard about it and decided that it wasn't because I didn't like Staples. I love Staples. It was a fabulous company and I liked the people. So the grass wasn't going to be any greener somewhere else. That's a good point. I was getting headhunters calling uh, for CEO jobs at all kinds of hmm. very large companies. But... If I wanted that, I would have simply stayed at Staples. Yeah. And so I made the decision that uh, I was going to find a way to uh, extract myself and move on to my next challenge. Well, that's a hard thing to do. But you were listening to yourself and what satisfied you. First of all, I commend you for that. That's hard to do when you're in the midst of um, day-to-day just playing net, always hitting shots. I think many of us are programmed to try to continue to advance. You're right. And I had the good fortune of having uh, parents who uh, had made decisions. My father was an IBMer for life, basically, and he opted not to keep moving so that he could raise his family in one place and we didn't have to Mm-hmm. check all over the country mm-hmm. and uh, he made that decision and it affected his long-term career True. and in my case there was some of that same thinking which is I was very fortunate I was still in my 30s and I mm-hmm. had this big job at a big multinational company mm-hmm. uh, and I, I had the opportunity to say maybe this isn't something that I need to or want to keep doing yeah and it was a joint decision with my wife, and we thought about the choices and 
came Made to the it. conclusion that I would step down from Staples. Well, this is an example. We're going to touch on different ways of leaving a company today in the show. And this is an example of an amicable one, which is one of the better ways <laughs> you're going to leave, too. At least I think it was. So how did you manage that? And how did you transfer the news to either the board, the CEO, whoever you needed to? So the first person I spoke to was Tom Stenberg, who was the founder of Staples. Mm-hmm. And I had worked for him at that point for the prior 12 years. Mm-hmm. And he and I talked about it. And I told him what I wanted to do was something entrepreneurial and that I felt ready to take on an entrepreneurial challenge. You'd already done it. When I when Staples started and I watched Tom manage operations and investors and landlords and employees, I thought there's no way I could ever do that. And 12, 10 years later, I started thinking I not only could do it, but I wanted to do it. So mm-hmm. as the company got bigger and bigger. I talked to Tom about the fact that I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And he suggested that the two of us look at a variety of opportunities together and see if we couldn't find something that we both wanted to do where he was going to stay at Staples, but he would back me and be helpful in uh, the new endeavor. What timing? You had no clue that he was interested in his future at that point. No. As well. So okay. it was. It, it worked out very nicely. And in fact, uh, it took about a year for me to leave correctly. What we did is uh, identify my successor, mm-hmm. work with her for close to a year to get her ready for the position. And that enabled me to leave without any disruption to the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not have wanted to take that role after I, I had been in it uh, because it, the company had been very successful leading up to that. And at that point in time, we just tried to buy Office Depot and the uh, Justice Department shot that deal down. So the company was at risk of starting to plateau a little bit. So I had had a really, really good run there, and it was uh, it was turned out to be pretty good timing as well for factors totally beyond uh, any individual's control. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that Office Depot run early on, which resurfaced <laughs> more recently too. So it was a good time. But you hear what Todd is talking about. He didn't surprise the CEO to start off with. Uh, Todd was truly you were a form of CEO in your own right, given the $7 billion and a senior executive, too. So you were managing the equivalent of lots of medium-sized to larger-sized companies already, uh, if you just look at your division, too. Uh, But no surprises. You worked. In fact, you didn't know you were hitting on his needs as well. And and not only did I work with Tom, but uh, we also shared with the board what my plans were so that I would be removed from the long-term succession planning with the company. Ah. And the first thing that happened was a whole uh, number of the board members asked if they could invest in whatever You're the kidding. would be. And, wow. and, and many of them did. Yeah. That is impressive, too. In fact, some of them probably would help you with introductions or connections or things later on. This is You see how I was hoping by the end of the show that you would have both your relationships and reputation intact. And you see what Todd is doing with checking with your own values and the self-awareness you had and what you wanted to do and not surprising people. 
Sure, coincidence that happened to fit with the career goals of the CEO. You can't count on that normally, too. But no surprises, then the board would come in and help. And those are still, all those people are still big supporters of your, you to this day, too. Any advice to CEOs about, let's just look at the leaving with support and with good values. And I think it can. it's a very difficult thing to determine for yourself when the right time is to move on from something. And probably one of the reasons why it's uh, often not amicable is because there's a divergence of opinion between shareholders or board members Mm -hmm. and the CEO Mm -hmm. about what the next steps ought to be for the business and what's the right way and who's the right person Mm -hmm. to lead that charge. And I think that I was really fortunate because Staples had been such a big success that I didn't have financial concerns at that point that would ordinarily, I think for many people, make it more difficult to potentially make a decision to leave a position or try to start something new or join a new company. And Mm -hmm. I was in a, a, a fabulous position and very lucky to be in that position where I could think about what what did I want to be mm-hmm. doing uh, for the next phase of my career. That was a blessing. So there's another point that Todd brings in is leave your current company when it's doing fabulously well. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if we could all plan on that too? Uh, were there any, cons- well, we've got about a minute till break, but were there any constraints on leaving a publicly held company? Uh, not a lot of constraints. Those things have to be uh, announced publicly. So mm-hmm. we had to wait until an appropriate time to make it a mm-hmm. final actual decision as opposed to a discussion mm-hmm. and to take the actual steps uh, for me to separate from the company. But beyond that, uh, it wasn't a, that wasn't a difficult thing to do. But if you're considering leaving your company as a CEO, that timing needs to be built in to notice as well for the SEC. That's correct. And there are good ways and bad ways. And I feel like the several transitions I've personally had, I've tried to do keeping everybody informed and no surprises. That is a lesson we can take home today, too. It looks like we're coming up on our break now. On the other side, we're going to be talking about some of the harder ways to leave the CEO role and ways to make them more manageable. See you in three minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at CEO Academy with Pam.com. That's info at CEO Academy with Pam.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back from our break. We're talking to Todd Krasnow, former EVP of Staples, and we're sticking with the topic of leaving companies with grace, as you just heard about Staples, but are jumping ahead in Todd's career to where he is currently as, let me see if I got all this right, director for two publicly held companies, Carbonite and Tile Shop. You were CEO, chair and founder of Zoots, and you're currently on three private boards and chair of an advisory board. Did I get all that right, or is there more? That's most of it. Um, that's most of it. That's as much as we can hold in our brains for the time being. That is more than a full-time job, plus part. you've got a day job in addition to all those, too. So I guess part of the day job is being on some boards as well of your companies you invest in. As a result of your board responsibilities, you've been on the other side of the desk with some other decisions about how to leave a company. The first example of quitting was under good conditions when everybody stayed friends and worked in both sides' best interest. There are other ways to leave that aren't as good, such as uh, quitting in a after being something going on with the board or something not working, you know, fit of peak. Internally, So have you been on the side of the desk and had to, when people were angry and just storming out? So I've had that experience and people not leaving when they should leave. So okay, let's look at both. That's the firing side, too, which yeah. is an equally challenging time. The, the, the leaving went in a fit. Uh, the example I have of that is the CEO of one of the companies I was on the board of uh, came into a board meeting. And at the board meeting... Uh, it was clear that he and the CFO were not agreeing about a lot. And the CFO said he was leaving to take a job as a VP finance at a another company, oh. which is fine in the ordinary course mm-hmm. that happens. And he left more or less the right way. He gave plenty of notice and worked to transition his job. After the board digested that, the CEO said, I 
need to speak to you privately. And so it was just the board with the CEO. And he said, I'm leaving and today is my last day. Oh, gee. And we were in the middle of financing the business. We had actually signed a term sheet for a financing. This was a private company. And we had a taken a bridge loan from our investors who were existing investors. At a high interest rate. And yeah. th- those people had just put money in on the fact that we had a term sheet. And the CEO walked out of that meeting and basically walked away from the company. And the only reason he did it was he was offered a CEO role at another company that was his long-term passion, his area of personal passion. So it wasn't because he was mad at the company or at people. He just left in entirely the wrong way because we were a relatively modest-sized, roughly $70 million private company. Mm-hmm. And he walked out in a at, critical, uh, at a critical time yeah. and really left the shareholders and the company mm-hmm. in a very, very bad situation. And we ended up having to sell the company because we simply couldn't put a new CEO in in the middle of trying to finance Financing, the business. Yeah. And we couldn't find a way to bridge the gap. And we had some bank loans that were due and the bank said, we don't want to be involved in this anymore. So they called their loans and we had to sell the company to be able to uh, manage the financial aspect of it. And sell it. Well, first of all, it's amazing you could sell it at that point and probably at a discounted price. It was more than a discount. This happened in 2008. Oh, eight. Oh, ow, ow. Imaginable for that And you had a term sheet in 2008. Yeah. It was was very, very disappointing from a financial point of view. The business is still around today. It's still doing nicely. uh, And very few people ended up losing their jobs. We had to make some cutbacks in headquarters staff at the time, but the operations continued, mm-hmm. and uh, it, I feel very good about that That's aspect amazing. of it, yeah. but it was, a, it was a very difficult situation. And for me personally, it was difficult because I was the one who stepped in and tried to, I had negotiated forbearance agreements with the banks, and I okay. managed the employee transitions that we had to do and keep the business on track and find buyers and that whole process. So it was a very difficult situation. <laughs> yeah, your directors and officers insurance <laughs> paid up. Boy, yeah, that was uh, there scary. There were actually hundreds of years of investing experience on our board. We had a very significant uh, investor pool and on cool. the, represented on the board. And in all of that experience, nobody had ever seen a circumstance like that. No. The CFO <laughs> and the CEO both quit on the same day well, <laughs> without either knowing that the other was quitting. Well, may you never see that again either. I was going to ask for implications for CEOs that may be thinking of quitting, but I think I may be hearing the two themes that you proved in Staples about warning and succession. Is that correct? Yes, because in this case, uh, uh, what comes around can go around. One of the investors in this particular company also happened to be an investor in the company that the CEO was uh, going, to. going to. And he, I got an email from him and it said, great, now he can F blank, blank, blank me twice. <laughs> Did he withdraw his funding from the new company? No. <laughs> Whoa, but the reputation. Yes. The two things I wanted to follow through the show are the relationships and the reputation. The relationships, at least behind him, were shot. Maybe going forward, maybe he could be Teflon and it wouldn't stick. I don't really know. 
But uh, reputation was definitely muddied out there. That's correct. And that didn't go away quickly either. No. So that was a tough watch to go on. What about the flip side of that when you were uh, having to terminate somebody? That's a tough, in, in some ways, that's a tougher uh, emotionally. Yeah. It, the For f- both first sides. situation was very difficult just from a, uh, a work and professional point of view. Mm-hmm. It's emotionally very hard. In this case, we had a founder who the business had outgrown. And mm-hmm. the founder didn't see his shortcomings in mm-hmm. the role, and the board did. Mm-hmm. And it was not an easy conversation because I had the conversation after the, the board first made the determination that we needed to make a change. I had that conversation with the founder, and the founder said he understood, and then turned around the next day and behaved as if the conversation had never happened. It never happened. happened. And we really wanted the founder to stay involved in the business because Mm -hmm. he had the history and was a very, very smart, very nice person. Mm -hmm. And lots of good relationships with people. He just wasn't a good manager as the business grew. And he, so we asked him to participate in helping to find the successor which proved problematic because he started telling people in interviews that it was really a chief operating officer we were hiring. He was staying. Interesting. And so it took several interventions to, to move that process along. And, and ultimately, we landed a tremendous chief executive officer who valued the input of the founder. And everybody was happy and it worked out really, really well. That's a tough role for a CEO to walk into because you don't really know if the former CEO has really left. <laughs> well, in that case, the the board gave the new CEO a sh- total assurances that if it it was the new CEO's decision, mm-hmm. and if the founder was difficult or problematic, mm-hmm. we would remove him from all aspects of uh, okay. being involved in the company. So that's how you got. A great CEO. I see sometimes former CEOs moving up to chair of the board, and the problems don't really go away. In fact, sometimes they can get worse. Well, that actually happened to some extent at Staples, where when Tom Stenberg became uh, chairman mm-hmm. and moved Ron Sargent into this from the president role to the CEO role, mm-hmm. uh, it, there was. A, uh, it was a very thoughtful transition at that point, mm-hmm. but what wasn't thought through as well was Tom's ongoing level of involvement and ongoing interaction mm-hmm. with what was at that point now a very, very large multinational corporation. And it led to some conflict and ultimately uh, Tom being asked to leave the board because he simply, there was there were too many uh, points of contention between the, the CEO new management and the chair. And the chair. Well, there's um, a lot of literature on the difference that the board is a team and the CEO is the, if we're using a sports metaphor, the coach. And it's more of a, a linear chart underneath him. And the board is supposed to be more horizontal. Everybody works together. So it's not usually the same personality right. that works well in both places. So the termination with the CEO that didn't want to hear it. If you were coaching or advising CEOs yourself, which you are right now, what would you tell a CEO that was in the position of having uh, the chair of the board or 
lead, I think you were independent lead director at that point, to tell you it's it. How do you advise them to react? First of all, I don't personally think it should ever be a surprise. So this this should yes. <laughs> that should never come to that. And in the case that I the example I gave, it should not have been a surprise. And somehow it, no matter how what many you times did. <laughs> and how we tried to address yeah. it, it was a surprise. So I would suggest that CEOs, if they're not getting clear feedback from their board on a regular basis, that's great. Ask for that feedback. So mm-hmm. that the CEO needs to have the board's full support. And if I was a CEO and did not feel like the board was fully supportive, I think I would ask the board whether they felt that I should continue to be the CEO. Yeah, that is such a critical point, to ask for the feedback. And I see both sides kind of glossing over that a lot. Uh, so approach your board. How am I evaluated? How does it how do we continue this conversation and get some structure around it, too? So that's uh, ongoing. What I'd like to move to, boy, that's great feedback on termination, all three different types, too. We're going to be talking about becoming the CEO as we move into the next segment and integrating successfully into your new job and role. There are at least three ways to become one, the internal way, the external way, and starting your own company. So we're going to go into that after the break, but what I hope you do during break is check out the McKinsey Report I've posted on LinkedIn and LassiterConsulting.com entitled CEO Transitions, the Science of Success. The science part is the interesting word. You'll see some quantitative data on which actions you could take as an incoming CEO that are most effective. See you in three minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal Award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. 
Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back from the break. I hope you found a McKinsey report on CEO transitions on my site. Having research on which actions have the highest total returns to shareholders is rare. It is. I mean, how often do you see that? So hope. So take a look. Hope it's helpful. We're talking to Todd Kresner, marketing guru and subject matter expert in marketing for Highland Consumer Fund. Did I get that right? Yes. And winner of Clio Award. That is so cool in marketing. <laughs> There's a whole story there we're probably not going to get to today. And we're moving into the uh, transitions for the CEO and how to integrate. Uh, you came in when you were starting Zoots by virtue of just being born as a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> by starting the company. Do you have any wisdom around that or did it just come naturally? I believe that to be successful starting a company, the a lot I think a lot of people look at the Steve Jobses and the Mark Zuckerbergs and think that that's the the, the norm, norm of course. <laughs> yeah. And my feeling is that's a, an extreme exception mm-hmm. uh, to the rule. So when Tom Stenberg started Staples, he had been in the grocery business for 10 years. He had been president of a brand new concept, a wholesale discount grocery chain in, the, in uh, New England, had a lot of experience in retail, discount retail, merchandising, and all the areas that would be important to starting a company. Mm-hmm. And he saw the idea for Staples, and it was a natural progression for him to move into being the CEO and actually running a company. Mm -hmm. When I started Zoots, I had had lots of experience in all aspects of building a company. I'd seen how things go together. I understood better how to motivate people, how to attract people, how to attract investors, how to deal with landlords, how to deal (laughs) with lawyers, all those parts of uh, running a business. Mm The flip side that I've seen is I can remember, uh, this is an extreme example, but I can remember a a group coming to me after a business school class and they were on on business planning and they were all excited about their idea. They wanted to start a a daycare center that would be done in languages and they they would have Spanish, French uh, and all different languages so you could drop your kid off and your kid would learn at daycare, we learn a new language. Mm-hmm. 
So I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. And my first question to them was, which of you have, tell me about your experiences working in daycare. And none of them ever had. <laughs> so I started asking them questions. Well, what happens when the teacher doesn't show up? Mm-hmm. What happens when one of the kids is sick and infects all the other kids in the class? How did you all, know you had all, kids at that point, didn't yeah, you? <laughs> I, had, I had my own kids. I yeah, you knew what happened. happened. None of these people had kids, and none of them had ever worked in daycare. Oh, it was a so concept. Okay. It, it might be a really good idea. I don't, I'm not commenting on whether that was a good idea or not. It's just they would not have had a very high likelihood of success, even mm-hmm. if it was a good idea. Yeah. Because they didn't know the rudiments of that business. Yeah. So I think for starting a business, it's really important to have some background in it. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, it sounds so obvious, but we have so many good ideas. And we're likely to start off and put a lot of money and time into something that we don't have firsthand experience in. And this is where the MIT has a project going now where they are paying people. They'll give you the concept for the entrepreneurial job. And your first job is to go out and talk to 100 potential customers. Yes. Isn't that a novel thought? (laughs) I thought that was a great idea. Your group probably hadn't done that. No, that group hadn't, although I will tell you at Staples, we went out and talked to, if we, we, we originally, uh, one of the concerns was that people didn't spend enough on office supplies, small businesses. And when Bain Capital, who was our first investor, came along, they did their research and the research said people, businesses spent $100 a person on office supplies. We didn't think that was the correct number, so we went out and interviewed 100 office managers and got copies of their invoices for a year and added up what it actually was, and it was $1,000 per employee per year, not 100. You have a business there. And that's a big difference, Mm -hmm. and that's what convinced Bain ultimately to invest. Yeah, I'm amazed that they'd share that information with you. <laughs> so that speaks to your marketing skills right there. Too. Uh, but have the experience is what you're saying, and don't just start a company cold. And it, I think there's an aspect as well of knowing yourself. So it, when I look at my personal example, I opted not to pursue opportunities to become a CEO of multi-billion dollar companies because I had a very clear sense of what would be involved in being successful in that role. And I felt I could be successful in that Mm -hmm. role. I felt I had the tools and the knowledge Mm -hmm. to be successful if I picked an industry in in that time period, a retail business, because I had a lot of experience with that. But I didn't want to do that job. So that's why I made the decision I did. So for... Somebody who is had a successful career thus far, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use one of my kids as an example in this case. I have a daughter who was a history major in college but a sports nut. Hmm. And she was manager of the student manager of the football team for three years, captain of her hockey team, worked for a minor league baseball team summers, wow. worked for the Miami Dolphins at minimum wage after school. Got an MBA, got a sports management degree. It's perfect. Worked for a large, uh, one of the large sports leagues as a business development person Mm -hmm. and is now a director of uh, corporate partnerships for a big uh, major league team. And she one day, if she continues with what she's passionate about, Mm -hmm. 
will be able to be a CEO or a general manager in her field because that's what she is focused on. Yeah. And she's learning the tools that she'll need to be able to be successful with that. So she's paid her dues she, along well, the way. She's, and she's in process of paying her dues. She will eventually get there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true for anybody in building their career. There, there is a time at which you've got enough information and enough know-how mm-hmm. that if what you want to do is be the CEO of a business, you should make that leap. Yeah, And it's important to think about what kind of role do you want when you do that? Do you want it to be a startup? Do you want to join a team that's buying a business? Do you want to go and uh, work through recruiters to become a CEO of an existing uh, company? All of those things have slightly different profiles. And, and then, yeah. it's important to think about how you want to spend your time and who you want to answer to with it. You know what I like that's embedded in your answer about just starting your own company? It, you're not necessarily saying you have to be 23 when you're doing it. You're saying know what you're doing and working through parts of your career. So you build that expertise. You may be 45 plus when you're starting a business and still have the drive and the experience that means it's more likely to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it cool. does take passion. It's the other thing. Yeah. I, also feel very strongly that it's important to love what you do. Because you're going to do a lot of it. you're going to do a lot of it. And the world is a competitive place. Business is a competitive place. And Mm -hmm. if you're you're only doing it to make money, Mm. it's very hard to be as into it as the person who's doing it because they love doing it. Oh, absolutely. And I've seen it many, many times. The people who love what they're doing ultimately – have a very high chance of being successful. They, okay. There may be pitfalls along the way. They may make mistakes. There may be failures. But if they love it, those You'll people be successful. figure out a way to, to more than often than not to be successful. That's because we're so stubborn. We just don't give up, right? <laughs> Keep coming back. To, okay, let's look at the transitions for CEOs who aren't starting their own business but may come in either through an external path because they have – gone through a search process and been selected or through an internal path that has been promoted. You've probably seen or experienced firsthand both of these. Do you have any comparisons or pros and cons for those routes? Uh, it's often, uh, when, when I've been on boards of companies, there's a tendency to think the grass is greener with mm-hmm. people. Uh, <laughs> just like when it's you, you feel like the grass might be greener at a different company. Mm-hmm. The reality is both ways work well. And the places where the searches that I've been involved in or led that have been particularly successful have been, we've talked to lots and lots of people. One public company CEO search took nine months. I chaired the search committee. It must have taken, I probably interviewed 100 people. Wow. And you begin to figure out what you're really looking for when you do that. And when there's a good match... Part of the match is the other person who's onboarding knew that it was a good fit as well because they had been talking to a lot of businesses and thinking hard about what they wanted to do. So that's 100 people is quite the time commitment too. What about the internal candidate? So internal candidates are good candidates if they have proven themselves. And it's mm-hmm. it really means proving themselves. It means taking on challenges and risks. The woman who now runs Staples 
was in strategic planning. She took the job to be head of human resources. Oh, wow. She was the head of marketing. She did a, She ran a division in mm-hmm. uh, off in the boondocks in mm-hmm. New Jersey uh, for the contract and commercial side of the business. That's great. So she took the opportunities that came along and excelled every time and built her personal CV. And when the time came for Staples to look for a new CEO, they opted uh, an internal person instead of going outside. So talk about paying your dues. What you're hearing, listeners, is one of the more, I don't know if it's a recent trend, but an emerging trend of horizontal moves inside of your company, that those aren't considered uh, not being successful. It used to be only going up the ladder worked, but going across, improving yourself in different divisions, that's what this person at Staples was doing. And it requires different skill sets in different divisions. And so to be able to do that made her an obvious choice. So that's a great story. I love the outcome in that then. There is a lot more we could do about integrating with CEOs, but we're going to be needing to go to a break in just a minute. And while we're on break, we're you can check out that McKinsey report again, and we're going to be coming back to talk about the R word, retirement, or is it retirement? Third major career change for a CEO. We'll see what you create. See you in three minutes. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Pam Lassiter has written The New Job Security, which details the five best strategies for taking control of your career. It's a Wall Street Journal award winner. Take control of your career by learning how to use target markets and their challenges to your advantage. The book will dramatically change your resume, your communications, and your financial results. You can find the book on Amazon, including Kindle, or by visiting LassiterConsulting.com. That's LassiterConsulting.com. Lassiter Consulting works privately with senior-level professionals who want a trusted advisor to co-create paths to reach the career outcomes you seek. You can improve your work success in your current company, choose them for outplacement or career change, or explore retirement. Lassiter also works with corporations that are going through change. You may be discreetly transitioning a senior executive out of the company or growing yourself for increased productivity. Put Lassiter Consulting to work for you today. Visit LassiterConsulting.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are. In the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
You are listening to CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter. To reach the show, send an email with questions or comments to info at ceoacademywithpam.com. That's info at ceoacademywithpam.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back from our break. We're with Todd Krasner, who is former EVP of Staples as it was growing dramatically, marketing guru, Highland Consumer Fund. You're many things now, many board roles as well, which brings us to portfolio career. I don't know, listeners, if you heard the expression portfolio. Have you? Do you use that about yourself? Uh, I try not to. But, but you've yes, heard it before, which means think of a manila folder and putting different parts and different jobs into it. And yours is all integrated around entrepreneurship, but you have had many different parts, and you still do, with separate boards as well as ones that are integrated work and the funding, et cetera. So this isn't retirement yet, and you're starting on your portfolio career already. Have you thought about retirement at all? Yes, I, but... I've thought about it in the sense that when I don't want to be doing what I'm doing now, which I love what I'm doing now, it's sort of an all in or an all out. And the reason I feel that way is I'm now, I serve on uh, a number of boards of directors and, uh, and at the Highland Consumer Fund as an operating partner. And the... What I find is that in some of my interactions, there are people who are, in fact, retired Mm -hmm. and serving on that one board that I might be on. And what I notice about those people is they tend to get stale very quickly. And it's not that they're stale because they're bad people or they don't have a wealth of experience. It's that they're not current Mm -hmm. with where the state of the art is in any aspect of uh, the businesses that they're advising. And so you start to hear the same things uh, over and over from those people because they're not generating new experiences with whatever is currently happening. And so I don't want to be that person when that time comes. And so I've thought about it that when I get tired of doing what I'm doing or I get to the point where I don't feel that I'm contributing or get told I'm not contributing, that it's time to not do that anymore. (laughs) To stop that. It's easier said than done. And that Todd's comment is so insightful. I see that a lot. We were talking earlier when people call or turn 65, they often call me and say, I'm retiring now and I'm ready to go on boards. Well, it's a little late. You can listen to the programs, the, the program we did on boards and CEO Academy, but not only do you time out of boards when you're around 70, sometimes 75 max. So should a company even be investing and in training you and bringing you up to speed when you may be off the board in five years? Plus, it's, the, it's not a hobby. It's, it's not one something and or in the water to keep things interesting. Yeah, the board is not there for your benefit. <laughs> your role as a board member is uh, to be a f- steward Fiduciary. of that yeah. business. And it's important that you are, when you do, if you do decide to go in that direction, to find boards where you feel that you can actually make a contribution and add value to that company. Because that's what the business needs. 
Uh, and I have an eclectic mix of businesses that I'm involved in, but each one in its own way has, there's a very specific reason why I am actually a good board member for that company because of what I can bring to that company. That's the right way to look at it. It's hard to get there mentally sometimes. The challenge of stepping out in general, though, I have to give credit to Myra Hart, a friend that Todd and I both have in common for introducing us, and I ask her, who is the best CEO you know who has expertise in transitions and can speak to them wisely without taking a deep breath? She said, Todd Kresnow, because you actually had planned your transitions and executed them. So have you actually planned not working I've thought about it, and I, <laughs> Scary. I, I know how it will happen. That's not the one to, to, to um, jump up and down and be all excited about yeah. because I know that when that time comes, uh, my personal life needs to match up with my professional life as it has all along. Mm-hmm. My wife has been a uh, – we've been a team for 33 years now, and – From the very beginning, when I was working very hard building staples, she was supportive. She wanted to stay home with the kids. When the kids got older and I wanted more time with them, that's when I started transitioning into the board kind of work and venture capital work. I worked very hard, but much more flexibility. And when she still works as a social worker, and when we're both ready to be traveling more frequently and not working as hard as we do, then I think it'll be apparent to both of us that it's time to move to that phase. And you'll deal with it at that point. That's correct. <laughs> but anticipating it, and if there's one thing I could pass on, it's starting something now that you would enjoy doing that makes you more whole of a person that you can carry forward into the future. And none of these things are easy. These paths are not, no. it, when you look back, I feel like there's always a straight line for how you got from A to B, but when you were going through it, when I first left running Zoots, I tried to start a venture capital fund with some people. We were not successful in pulling that off. I went on a couple of boards. I advised some funds. I was on boards of companies. I didn't realize that I was getting involved in things that didn't have good prospects, and I began to learn what worked and what didn't. So you've got a real education right there. Right. But just finding something, it may even be fun. It can be avocational. It can be a volunteer group. It could be a language. It could be something that's intellectually challenging that you can carry through on the other side. At least you have something to look forward to (laughs) when you're going through that transition, too. We have covered so much material today, and I want to thank you all for joining us, too. We talked about the three major transitions and a couple of things that I picked up from Todd were continuing threads about no surprises and succession planning in any of these as well as the importance of being experienced in what you choose to do whether it's coming in as a CEO or starting a new company or currency in what you were in staying current on top of things. Is that a fair wrap? Okay, thank you. I would like to thank Todd Krasnow for joining us, operating partner of Highland Consumer Fund, formerly of Stables and Zoots and many others, and you have extensive wisdom and transition, so thank you for sharing that with us too. And thank you, awesome listeners, for joining us. 
Uh, We have a lot coming up for the future, and may your transitions be managed with grace and wisdom in the meantime. Make sure you follow me at uh, Twitter, Facebook.com slash Lassiter Consulting, Lassiter Consulting, the website where the article will be posted as well, and CEO Academy with Pam. We look forward to having you next week, and we'll be having our... A session on the future skills of CEOs, the five ones you need to move forward. Doesn't that sound intriguing? Okay, we'll see you next week, and thank you for joining us. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to join us for another edition of CEO Academy with Pam Lassiter next Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week for more tips from the professionals as you grow your career and your company to the top. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.